0: Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets Biblical Christianity face-to-face. I'm your host, Sean McCraney. If you have family or friends who can't watch Heart of the Matter on television here in the state of Utah or Idaho, have them go to www.hotm.tv. They can watch any of the show's uh, live streaming video from there. Let me tell you something. On that site, we have all the episodes we have ever filmed. It's under Episodes, there's also words that say Archives, it gives you the year, 2006, 7, 8, 9, 10, and now 11, so they're all there. People are saying, well maybe you can put it on YouTube channel and have your own YouTube channel, things like that, but they're all right there on HOTM.TV. Last week I made a statement which I was wrong, I said that Chuck Colson said that uh, he agrees that Mormonism is not a cult, he didn't say that. And so I apologize for putting words in his mouth. I was paraphrasing what I had heard. Didn't do the research myself. However, Chuck Colson did and is sweeping the whole issue of uh, Mormonism and their uh, run for the presidential office under the rug, of which I'm sorely disappointed. Chuck Colson influenced me greatly when I came out of Mormonism through a book he wrote called Born Again Mormon. I mean, Born Again. And... uh, and I read Born Again, and it and it was great, and so I'm grateful for him. Unfortunately, he seems to be standing with the idea of, uh, let's just take all religion out of politics, because the Founding Fathers didn't include a person's religion in their ability to govern uh, the nation, uh, not realizing that when there is a win for Mormonism in any area of this world, um, or a vote for a Mormon candidate, or a vote for a... Uh, a Mormon actor or a vote for a Mormon CEO or anything like that. Mormonism wins. That's the problem. It's not that these people aren't capable and not good and not, you know, I'm sure very good in their things, but Mormonism wins. So for a Christian to say it doesn't matter, I think they're very uh, misguided. Looking for a Christian church that can help you
1: assimilate out of Mormonism and into support them
0: wholeheartedly we're going to show you a run the name of them right now Now, if you're LDS and you live in those areas and you have come to see, hey, look at, I, I want to examine uh, other churches that teach the Bible. There are some good recommendations. If you don't see your church on this list, tell your pastor to take advantage of the Transitions program by contacting Transitions. That's at www.ldstransitions.com. I think we have a graphic up there. There it is. .com. Uh, and then they can tell them about the next training meeting that will be going on. We hope that every church in the state will uh, come together and uh, participate in this so that we are equipped to handle the LDS as they come out and they discover the truth about the church that they have belonged to. Speaking of great churches, I will be uh, coming to one this coming Sunday, October 30th, 7 p.m. It's at Provo Baptist Church, 100 North, 700 West. They're in Provo, 7 p.m. All are welcome. Alethea Products will be there for gross consumer consumption. Um, pastor Neil is a great pastor, and he's got a good church down there. And so we'll be talking about a lot of this uh, Christianity and politics. If you've heard the speech before, uh, don't worry about it. But uh, check it out if you're from that area and want to come. All right, uh, what goes on every Sunday? First, a new approach to uh, church. Called Campus, we meet twice first at 10 a.m. Called the Meat, I mean the Milk Gathering. And then in the afternoon at 2.30, the Meat Gathering. Uh, anybody searching for truth is welcome. And then also at 1 p.m. on AM 820, the Truth. They replay Heart of the Matter. So check those things out if there's a need in your life. Listen, uh, Lathia Ministries is offering some uh, items directly related to the Mormon Christian debate. The first is an excellent drama about Joseph Smith's quest for the White House and the Mormon quest for the same in this very day and age. What makes this docudrama great is it interviews both LDS defenders and critics with equanimity. So take a look here at a clip.
2: Is America ready for a Mormon president? I would love to see Mitt Romney go to the White House.
1: Yes, I think America is ready for a
2: Mormon president.
1: No way a Mormon is going to get in a white House. The
2: odds of him being elected president are zero. What happened when the Mormon prophet Joseph Smith ran for president? If America knew the power-seeking
0: that was in Joseph that continues to be in the LDS Church today, they would be very frightened to have a Mormon president.
2: Was there a political conspiracy to murder Joseph Smith? Is anti-Mormon prejudice still alive and well in America today? I've gotten several comments of like you're a Mormon and you're in a cult. Their doctrine does not reflect Christian teaching as we understand it.
3: It makes me crazy if somebody ever accuses me of not being Christian. And the name of the church says it all right there.
2: Why are Americans in such disagreement about the Mormon church?
0: They would love to take over the world and I think they believe that they will someday do it.
2: There's a lot of rumors out there and most of them without basis.
0: Every single thing connected to Mormonism is a byproduct of the
2: embodiment of Joseph Smith. He had been dragged from his home in an effort to kill him, and a Protestant minister was a member of that mob. Today, Protestant leaders reject Joseph Smith as a false prophet. You can't understand the challenge facing Mitt Romney until you know the untold story of Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism. Explore the controversy surrounding Joseph Smith and the Mormon quest for the White House prophet of God, polygamist, politician, who was Joseph Smith? Joseph Smith is a puzzle. Larger than life. I would say Christ-like. It would have to be charlatan. He was a mighty prophet, a mighty prophet of God. Join the debate, the drama, make your decision. Is America ready for a Mormon president?
0: Doesn't that guy intrigue you who said he was a mighty prophet, a mighty prophet of god I, he just intrigues me i'd I'd love to have lunch with that guy and see what's going on up there you know uh uh, $25 uh, gift to Alathia Ministries, we'll get you that, we'll tell you how to do that in a second. We're also very excited to present our most recent Alathia Ministries literary masterpiece, we say that tongue in cheek, uh, where Mormonism meets biblical Christianity face to uh, face, an A to Z doctrinal comparison between Mormonism and Biblical Christianity. This is an excellent 700 page compilation of information from over 47 topics that we compare Mormonism and Christianity. So let's say that you're gonna have lunch with a friend or a family member who's still LDS and they they always have been claiming, well, we are Christian. You can open that up and flip to any number of topics that would relate to it. Uh, Jesus, atonement, grace, faith, justification, sanctification. deity of Christ, all those things. And that would arm you enough with enough talking points to kind of put the thing to bed. So we think A to Z is an invaluable tool for people in apologetics, people who want to understand Mormonism better, uh, people who want to understand Christianity relative to Mormonism. Uh, Before the book hits the stores, listen, this is a pre-sale event. We're offering it to you at a discount. It's gonna list on the store shelves Pricey, $34.95, it's a big book. Uh, You can get one mailed to your house before Christmas for the total price, shipping included, $30. Uh, Now listen, again, it's a pre-sale order, so don't say, hey, can I pick these up today? Can we go get them somewhere? That's pre-sale, we're gonna send them to you once they're printed in in our hands. To order a Mormon president, Mormonism A to Z, any of our other books, Girl, the video that is so useful in reaching girls, go to hotm.tv. Uh, if you're not internet savvy, you can also go to, write to 4760 Highland Drive, number 515, Salt Lake City, Utah, 84117, and just put Aletheia Ministries, or whatever you want on the, make sure you let us know what product you want uh, when you include the gift. All right, again, We personally invite, give an open invitation to the following people. Any official representative of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, especially the First Presidency, members of the Quorum of the Twelve, any general authority, to Mr. Scott Gordon Affairs uh, and the New Mormon Defense League guy, to the LDS Internet Defender Jeff Lindsay, and to the Book of Mormon Answer Man, any of these uh, men, are, uh, we are offer them, and I guess women too, because I, I don't know if they have women general authorities. I guess they might. I can't remember if that's what they're called. But any of them who fit the bill, one hour here alone will film live streaming throughout the whole world for you to give the message. We specifically request that you talk about LDS positions on soteriology, how you're saved, how, how you say you're Christian and you're saved, uh, how Mormonism has nothing to do with polygamy today at all. And uh, how Satan and Jesus are not in any way at all related. And just clear up any major misconceptions that you think are out there uh, relative to the media. And we will give you that time again, and I won't bug you. Uh, Invitations here, waiting open, just email me, sean at aletheamedia.com. And we'll put the whole thing together. Haven't heard from anybody yet. We've been saying this for two or three weeks. Uh, So I'm kind of sitting there waiting every day, hoping we'll get that email. How about a moment from the Word. Well, we've been working our way through uh, the book of Matthew and just kind of lightly touching on topics that come up and how they relate to Mormonism and and, and how Mormonism is uh not in harmony with what we've been reading. Tonight we come to the last chapter of Matthew, Matthew 28, verse one. Jesus had been crucified, he was laid in the tomb, and verse one of Matthew 28 says, "'In the end of the Sabbath, "'as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, "'came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary "'to see the sepulcher.'" That's the first verse. And from this point, we read the rest of the story about Jesus having having risen from the grave. Why is this verse significant? I think it's significant because our Lord has died on the cross, he's laid in the grave three days, they've passed, and Matthew reports that as dawn came on the first day of the week, with the Sabbath having now been passed, Mary came to the tomb and of course discovered that Jesus has risen. Why after the Sabbath, had passed. Why on the first day of the week? What was about to shine upon the face of all religiosity in this moment? It was the risen Christ. Was it significant that the Lord rose from death uh, after the Sabbath had passed and on the first day of the week? It was absolutely important. You see, under the law, the Jews toiled from the first day of the week which is uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night, they toiled under the burden and labor of the law. On Friday night sunset, that was the beginning of their Sabbath, till Saturday night sunset, and that was their day of rest. It was the Sabbath. It's the only Sabbath which there has ever been and ever will be, that Sabbath day. The law was specific as to what it what could and could not be done on this Sabbath day, and the Jews were fastidious in following God's directives in what was allowed to happen. You see, toiling under their labors all week, when the day of rest came, it was at the end of the week, and they rested from their labors at the end of the week. Jesus came and Uh, What he did was he resurrected, he fulfilled, he overcame all the elements of the law. And by him rising on the first day of the week, all the burdens and labors are done now. And now Christians springboard from the first day of the week into that week in their daily rest and labors in the king. Not on a specific day. Remember Jesus said, come unto me all ye that heavy, uh, that are uh, burdened and heavy labor. Okay, so he says, come to me, not to a day of the week. From this point forward, discussed here in Matthew 28, his followers have come unto him and Sabbath day observance has been fulfilled in him. Why? Because believers filled with the Holy Spirit give their, excuse me, we get our rest every day of the week in him, not on a specific day as they did under the law. Remember the full statement Jesus said, listen, come unto me all you that labor and are under heavy burdens, he says, and I, I, Jesus Christ, I will give you rest, okay? Jesus is our day of rest. Christians have a day of rest 24 seven in Christ our King. When Joseph reconstructed and revamped biblical Christianity, he reinstated a pseudo-Sabbath day for his followers to obey. Of course, he had the day of week all wrong, and, uh, and, and, and he took law and reapplied it, which has never mattered to Joseph Smith. But the important point to understand is Joseph Smith placed all those who followed his way under this burden, which Jesus came and had removed. It's for this reason that Paul said, speaking specifically and prophetically of Joseph Smith in Colossians 2.16. Read this with me. Let no man therefore judge you in meat, or in drink, or in respect of a holy day, or of a new moon, or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ, let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, end quote. I couldn't have written a better description of Joseph Smith and what he did if I tried. And with that, let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we come to you. We love you and need you. Uh, Lord, we, we pray that you will be with us, send your spirit mightily for those seeking truth and who want to have a relationship with you. We pray for their family members, for those who have come out of Mormonism, but the family members don't yet know you. We pray for the state to catch on fire. We pray for our viewers, wherever they may be, for our volunteers, our staff, those who do so much to keep the program going. We pray for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Two weeks ago, we talked about the many visits the Angel Moroni allegedly made to Joseph Smith prior to him getting the plates. According to Joseph Knight, who was a defender and friend of the founding prophet, as recorded in his recollection of early Mormon history and edited by Dean Jesse, a BYU professor, Smith told his friends that September 22nd, 1827 would be his last chance to receive the plates, okay? Four years have gone by, visit, 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 four visits, angels coming all the time to him, and this is the last time he tells people that I'm gonna be able to get these plates. Boy, he knew how to build suspense, didn't he? So I wanna say something here of which I am absolutely convinced reading and studying the history for as long as I've been blessed to be able to do and that is, I believe completely that there were a set of plates, absolutely. Joseph Smith's father literally owned a Cooper shop, which is nothing more than a metal working shop. It was was in their old house, and they used it as a Cooper shop. This is historical, my friends. And while Joseph was waiting the four years for the plates to supposedly be delivered to him, I'm convinced he made his way out there with a pair of tin snips And he manufactured a stack of plates which were in accordance to the size and everything that he described. And he used them as a prop to establish the con. The con was first being established to trick his friends who were into hunting for buried treasure. We know, we've established that as a fact. Later, they will be used as a con to trick people into thinking that there was an actual religious history written on the plates. There's a lot of interest in these plates at this point in time. Joseph Smith's family, those who believed his religious story now, and from his old treasure-seeking buddies, all of them had an interest in the plates being delivered. Interestingly enough, and according to Brigham Young himself, as the final date to to obtain the plates arrived, Several Palmyra residents expressed concern, quote, that they were going to lose that treasure, which they believed they owned or had a part of ownership in it. You see, all Joseph Smith's treasure-seeking cronies, they believed because they were a pack, a group that would go around and do this, that whatever was found was kind of community booty. And so when Joseph started saying, hey, I've got this record coming up, all his treasure-seeking guys were like, hey, that's part ours. We're, we've been a group or a gang doing this in this area. That is part of ours. So what happened was um, Joseph Smith had one guy who was particularly troubling. His name was Samuel Lawrence. And he was apparently aware that Joseph said, this is my last time to get the plates so the night Joseph went to get the plates, he sent his father to go to Samuel Lawrence's house and to stand up there and make sure that Samuel didn't exit and go head, heading up to the hill Kamora. If Samuel was uh, to leave, Joseph's father was to tell him, quote, that Joseph would thrash the stumps with him if he, was, if he found him up on the hill, end quote. So late that night, Joseph took a horse. Supposedly, it was black, according to one account dressed all in black, supposedly, and his wife, Emma, and he went to uh, Camorra. While Emma stayed behind, kneeling in prayer, that's also recorded, so she couldn't see exactly what Joseph was doing, Joseph walked to where he said the place, the site of the plates was. Sometime early in the morning hours, he is said to have returned with the plates, and he uh, uh, hid them in the hollow of a log on or near the hill Camorah. At the same time, Joseph said he received a large pair of spectacles that he called the Urim and Thummim, or the interpreters. Now, the story of these things is one show in and of itself. We're gonna cover that in the next few weeks. I'm not sure when. But Joseph supposedly came home from getting the plates and hiding them, and then when he came home that night, he showed his mother at least the interpreters, the Urim and Thummim. It's the only account that I can remember uh, so far of someone seeing them was his mom. Uh, I think he did show her a pair of Urim and Thummim. And I also think he created those. Uh, you see, they're described like this they're in the, like a figure eight, but to turn this way. And they're really big. And they have glass or, or some kind of gems in them. And, and so I could see myself at 17, 18, 20 going out and trying to fashion a pair of Elton John glasses. You know, they were, they were that big. And, and the thing was, is Joseph in his translation, he never used the interpreters. Why? He said they were too big. They were made for a larger people. But you see, just think about it. When you're trying to construct something new... You don't have the, the manipulation of your hands and the equipment to, to make small glasses that are refined. So you think, remember the old computers, how they would be like in sci-fi mag- you know, movies? Gigantic, and cell phones start off huge because we don't have the technology to bring things. Well, Joseph was was creating some spectacles, and he did it with a, with a rim of metal, it says, that's how they described, with two glass pieces. And that, But everybody who had uh, any experience with the Urim and Thummim said they were way too big to like, get your eyes to see through. So he didn't even use that prop. He didn't use the Urim and Thummim. He resorted to peeping into a hat. And then later on, honest to goodness, he didn't even use that prop. All he did was stand there and receive revelation. And most of the time, the golden plates that you see in pictures with him were never even in the room with him. You guys, this is a con. It's a con job that has been pulled apart and portrayed upon people. And you're following this false gospel by a man who started with a con. Okay, let's go on. So... uh, Uh, we'll talk more about the Urim and Thummim weeks to come. Over the next few days, Joseph Smith took a well-digging job in a city called Macedon, or Macedon, so that he could buy a box big enough to hold the plates with a lock on it. And uh, some of Smith's uh, treasure-seeking buddies had heard that Joseph was successful in getting the plates now from the hill, and so they planned on coming and trying to get them, and they hired a seer, Uh, who used divination to try to find where uh, these plates were. Joseph's wife, Emma, heard about this. She was in Manchester. She took a horse and she rode to Macedon where Joseph was digging a well and said, they're going to find the plates by divination, okay? Joseph took out the Urim and Thummim and he said, no, they're not going to be able to find them, but he left Macedon anyway and came back to Manchester. Once they arrived back home in Manchester, Joseph said he walked to the hill Camorra from the house. It's about four miles. He removed the plates from their hiding place and walked home through the woods off away from the road leading back with the plates wrapped in linen. Okay, this is his story. So I'm just getting telling you how the plates got to the Joseph Smith property. Now, there exists in Mormonism proper, and this is... There's this theatrical bent that kind of exists within the church. That's kind of fantastic. It's fanciful and there's a it, there's a romance for make believe within Mormonism generally. They have a lot of theater. I mean, the lady who wrote Twilight LDS um uh, there's, there's just, when I get on my flights to go to home, to Southern California, it's the Disney flight, there's a lot, I see grandparents and parents, uh, grown adults wearing Disney hats, and they're just into the theater and the theatrics. When I was at Brigham Young University as a freshman, I'll never forget, I go into the Cougar Eat, and there was this attractive, long blonde-headed girl that I, I was always kind of interested in, and she was over at a table just crying her eyes out crying her eyes out and I went over and and I said what's wrong what are you okay you know feigning interest really wanted to just get her number or something and 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 she's like Robert Redford has joined the church and it's not true it wasn't true but she was so overwhelmed with this emotion about being able to tie Robert Redford into the Mormon church now and I'll never forget just being like so so bewildered, I didn't know if it was true or not, but why this reaction? Well, there's this romantic fantasy that goes on. It all stems from Joseph Smith. He was the same way. He could get you to believe and feel and cry and weep and talk about the families forever and, the, and, and describe heaven, and he could tell a great story. He did it all through the Book of Mormon. So, he, walked, he goes with 10 snip prop plates walking back Four miles is possible, but with gold plates, not so. Even if they were an alloy, they would have weighed about 45 pounds. If they were gold, they would have weighed something like 180 pounds, okay? So no matter what they were, if they were legitimate, he would have taken a horse and carriage to the Hill Cumorah to get them, having already picked them up. But no, Joseph walks to the Hill Cumorah to evade all the other friends. And he physically carries 45 to 185 pound plates under his arm. But that's just the beginning. He comes into the house huffing and a puffing and a sweating away as if the whole damned Comanche nation had been chasing him. And in his home where the family is awaiting, and Emma's anxiously sitting there upon his return, Joseph claims that as he went through the woods he, a man sprung up from behind a log and struck him with the heavy blow of a gun. But Joseph, hero of the day and according to him, knocked the man down with a single punch and ran as fast as he could for about a half mile. 45 to 180 pounds under an arm. Okay? As if He could do it, but Joseph doesn't stop there. You see, he he gets you with the fantastic. He says, uh, while he finishes outrunning the first attacker for a half mile while carrying the golden plates, he was attacked by a second man who then attempted to get them. After overpowering this attacker in a similar way, Joseph continues to run and before he can reach the house, a third man pops up and hits him with a gun. Now, he's holding these things. You know what? I'm a fairly strong guy. And before I got really heavy and stuff, I was pretty fairly strong. Let me tell you something. You cannot do this. You can't do it. No one can do it. And, and, and Joseph, in this attack, it says, quote, he injured his thumb. That's what he said. So he comes in sweating, crying. He's thrown dirt on his face. He's all been, He's got his thumb. And he tells the story that he heaved this thing under his arm this way, fought off attackers, and what he does is a classic con diversion. He knows everybody's going to come in and be interested in these plates right now, but if he comes in and tells a great story about attacks, it's going to put everybody on the defense and take their thoughts off the plates right now. Joseph's thumb's injured too. The historical record also reports that Joseph sent his father, Joseph Knight, and Josiah Stoll, out to search for the pursuers, but none were found. There is the story of Joseph Smith getting the uh, golden plates. A few days later, Joseph came in and said, Mom, I also have a breastplate that was found in the stone box, made of metal, again under some cloth. She was able to feel that it was truly a breastplate, but she couldn't see it, could not see that. You know, and nobody was able to see the plates, and we're going to talk about the witnesses until down the line. Shortly thereafter, the empty box was discovered, and uh, Joseph took the plates. He pretended to hide them in his dad's Cooper shop under the floor, and then he uh, took them out. The place was ransacked. The plates weren't discovered, and Joseph was able to sequester them in a, in a place of uh, a barrel of flax And now we're going to begin with the uh, translation process. Let's open up the phones. 801-973-TV20. 801-973-8820. Your support keeps us on the air and going. We love and appreciate whatever it is, prayer, however it comes to you by virtue of the Lord. Check this out. We'll take your calls when we get back. Welcome back. We've got three callers on the line. Keep trying, 801-973-TV20. Our operators will be clearing you. Turn down your TV. Since Joe from Salt Lake City, Utah, first-time caller and his LDS. Joe, you're on Heart of the Matter.
1: Hey, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing well. How you doing, Joe?
1: All right. I, I was going to ask you a question about what's your best that, uh, that LDS church Unfortunately,
0: Joe, you're coming in and out on the phone.
1: Yeah, let me, how's that?
0: They're still coming in and out. Hold on the line one second, let the operators work with you, I'll come right back to you. Okay. Let's go to uh, Chase in Atlanta, Georgia. Chase, you're on Heart of the Matter.
1: Yes, I just wanted to call and say uh, thank you for your show. Um, I was Mormon until about two weeks ago. Whoa. Submission, married in the temple, did all those things. And then uh, I told my wife that uh, if, you know, if we're going to keep attending this church, I can't just listen to the things that I've been told my whole life. And, um, I, I did just a few little things to re-research and wow. That's that's all I gotta say. And, uh, (laughs) I've turned in my letter and I have uh, accepted Christ into my life and been saved.
0: Praise God! Praise God! That is such good news, Chase. Our audience is applauding for you. That is so good. Thank you know, I had a conversation with a a man here in Utah uh, today, versus uh, not versus on the internet, and he said something similar to you, Chase. And, and what's really important about your story here on the air to the other people listening is that you don't. F- forfeit your relationship with christ when you walk that you that you have come to understand him and you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. we just praise god for stories like yours thanks so much for sharing it
1: well thank you for having me and i'd like to say you are a light of logic Uh,
0: some talk to my wife she'll disagree with you completely
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right well thank
0: you hey god bless chase you keep going man you too bye-bye thanks bye-bye we are going to go to Joe again. We'll give him a try. Joe, you're on the air. Oh. No. Joe? You got
1: me.
0: Joe? No. 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 Nope. Putting him back on hold. We're going to go to Bill on line three. Bill, you're on Heart of the Matter.
1: Yeah, I've got a, a question. Have you seen the movie Religiousness?
0: I have. Ex- Religious.
1: Bill Maher? Yeah. Okay. He says something about Two or three thousand or two or three hundred years before Jesus, there was another guy that was similar to Jesus who was hung on the cross and then uh they you know uh, crucified then resurrected three days later and it's like the exact same story do you what what's your feelings on that did that really i mean what he's trying to get at is like the Jesus story was made up just like that one was, but and I, yeah. I've been confused by the whole
0: thing. Yeah, that was a really uh, a weak moment in that film. I don't mind critical analysis of, of Christianity at all, because all it does is reveal more and more truth. But there he pulled something out of a hat. Of course, I've heard of Virgin birth stories, uh, Robert Bly and all those guys. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, can't think. They talk about uh, the myth guy. Joseph Campbell uh, always talks about, uh, you know, them being virgin stories and even death for uh, people's sin stories and things. But when, he, when Marr pull, pulled out, the there was a man who died on a cross for the sins of the world before Jesus. Uh, you know, I, the crucifixion was certainly done by the Romans, but I'm not so sure. And he, there, he, provided, he provided no uh, anything for that. So while I'm sure people have died, I mean, people died on crosses well before Jesus, and maybe there were some people who said, hey, I, I'm the, the, uh, the Savior of the world, but my point is we have 1,500 years of prophetically uttered prophecy on Christ that have been fulfilled by him. We have his miracles that are attested to, and his existence by Josephus, and by Tacitus, and by Suetonius, who were non-Christian historians. So when Maher gets up there, and all he wants to do is make everybody disbelieve in God, and he'll throw something out, I thought that was probably the weakest point in the movie. Uh, And and, and in response to him, I love uh, what, um, what's that guy, Bueller, Bueller? Yeah, I
1: know who you're talking about. I loved
0: his his movie. Yes, yeah, Stein. His, his was great. This Jew showing the atheist position is comical. So, you know, I what did see it. That? Yeah, yes? What?
1: What movie was that with, with him, Ben Stein?
0: Ben Stein. You just type in Ben Stein and God, and, and it'll come up on Google. I can't remember the name of it, yep. but it's a really good response to the, uh, to the kind of higher criticism against uh, Christianity. It's called Expelled. Expelled.
1: Oh, Expelled. Okay.
0: Hey, hope that helps, Bill.
1: Thank you very much.
0: God bless. Take care. Bye bye. All right. Listen, uh, a couple things. Wesley writes, "I'm always wanted to ask a Mormon. You have a book you call the Four and One. Why do you have a problem with Three in One?" Put up, Bob. All right, Dan, more for your entertainment value. Uh, Julie Fagel right? Uh, "Julie F writes, uh, I wanted to share something I heard on Wretched that I loved. I, that's a good show. I understand. Uh, it says." that that this host, Todd Friel, says, why does Mitt Romney want to be president? Isn't he gonna be a god someday? <laughs> but, uh, that's not for or against Romney, it's just some information we've received. John, with a very long last name, writes this, recently I had a letter to the editor published in the Ogden's uh, Standard Examiner, in it, I took issue with Romney and Huntsman's comments that it is an unfair to bring their Mormonism into question in the campaign. I pointed out that, once again, they can't expect the court uh, to court the Christian vote and then become offended when Christians question their faith. I also said that Mormonism should be an issue because it is the only religion that requires its members to take an oath of allegiance to the head of the church under threat of excommunication i not so sure that's completely factual, but the other day, my letter was subject of discussion in my grandson's 8th grade current events class. The discussion concluded that I must hate Mormons and there is something wrong with me. My grandson felt embarrassed and overwhelmed. Welcome to the separation of church and state. Amen to that. So sorry to hear about that. And in the same line, before we go to Delroy, Brendan Foss. Brendan writes, you don't have any idea of what you're talking about. We, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, do not go into the temple and promise to give all of our lives and money to God and the prophets and apostles. Don't give all of our money and time to God and just our religion. You don't have any idea what you're talking about. You're so gutless that you won't read this on your show or messages like this. Well, I relish in messages like this, Brendan, because you are such an idiot. And idiot means you don't have information. That's all it means. You're, you're full of your id. You know, the id, the super id, the superego and all that. You're, you're an idiot. You're just in your own head. Because your information is completely correct. One of the temple covenantal promises that is made there is the obligation to, quote, and I'm giving a paraphrase quote, to give all that you have been blessed with or which you may be blessed with to the building up of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That's that's almost a quote, Brendan, who says, I don't know what I'm talking about. You are uh, under covenant to give your time and talents and energies and all you're blessed with to the building up of the Mormon church here on this earth in the temples. Somebody goes to the temple, they give honor and allegiance to the priesthood leaders, and they make these oaths and these covenants. When they are in another position, whether it be work, employment, government, they, if they are a good Mormon, are gonna uh, follow the temple covenants well before they will follow any other promises they have made. Hence the difficulty with having uh, an active Latter-day Saint in office. Delroy Spanish Fork, he's LDS,
3: Delroy, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, how you doing tonight? I'm doing well, Delroy. How are you? No, I'm all right. You're not gonna you call me an idiot or nothing, are you? No,
0: don't. Ha- no, no, I won't.
3: No, I right. won't call you an I- idiot. No, all right, I got a question for you. Uh, kind of a two-parter here. Um, I'm just wondering with what you were saying about Joseph Smith. There, uh, I guess first part is why would he go through with. All of it. I mean, you carry a a fraud or something, and you have to kind of run with it. I could see that. But at some point, you're going to give it up when it comes to uh, your life, people you love's lives. Just everything's life. The sham's going to be over. The carpet's going to be pulled down. You'll give it up. Um, But my second question.
0: Let's let's answer that one first, okay? Okay. My perspective is this. Karl Marx and Jenny von Westphalen uh, gave everything, everything up. She came from a wealthy family to uh, promote communism. They had children die because they didn't have the money to pay for their health care and they wouldn't get the money because they were so dedicated. They lived in squalor and filth for the cause. So in terms of somebody not being willing to self sacrifice for something, you got it wrong. Secondly, Joseph Smith's reception as a treasure seeker and as a poor boy living in Manchester in those areas was very low. He was thought of as the dregs of society. But when he came forward with a book and, and and all this stuff and people started believing him religiously, his power and his popularity did nothing but increase. All the way to the point where the man had the huts to run for president of the United States and call him and be crowned king of the world. So we're talking about what motivates a man. Well, sex will motivate some men, money will motivate some men, but power will motivate some men to any extremes. And that, there's my response to your first part. How about the second part?
3: All right, my second part is I've, uh, yeah, that was a, f- a fair answer, I'll give you that. The second okay. part was uh, I've never heard anyone actually think that Joseph had, they either had the plates or not, and whether you had him manufacturing the set. Um, that's the first I've actually heard of that, uh, I guess, that take on that. But I'm, I think it's original I'm to heard- me. Um, I'm just wondering how he could have manufactured those plates with all of his family around. No one saw any evidence of it to say, hey, wait a minute. What are you doing out in the, out in the shop there by yourself where it was a tight-knit family and there was tons of kids?
0: Well, I, I, I mean, you're right. That could be a valid point. He may not have manufactured plates. There may not have been any. And so we could go with that. I just believe that, that he's carrying something that's rattling around. There is historical things where people said they did heft them. He wouldn't let them see them. But they would heft them. He said the plates existed in 1823. It wasn't until 1827 that he supposedly received the plates. And it wasn't until 1829 when he actually showed them to anybody. So four years to produce a stack of plates this big by this big with 10 snips and put them on a couple rings, I could probably do that in a week without anybody in my family knowing it. We're a tight-knit family too. He had a Cooper shop. He could have gone anywhere to do this stuff. I, I think at that point in time, it would be easier to, to create a con than in this day and age. So I don't see it as being difficult for him to be able to. And then the other thought is his family could have been in on it. You know, His father very well could have been in on it. And we're going to talk more about that as we go on talking about Oliver Cowdery. Well, thanks for your time. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Take care. Yep. Hey, you're not an idiot either. Gave him, a, gave him a compliment, sort of. <laughs> All right, we're going to try Joe again. Joe, Joe, you're on Heart of the Matter.
1: Yes, sir. Yeah, I've been listening to your programs, and I was going to ask you what your best evidence is about the LDS church. Is it true? But now I've heard you talk about some of those things. I'm LDS, and from what I've heard you say, I haven't heard one thing that you can prove to me that the church is not true.
0: It's a good point, Joe, and let me explain why. Yeah, and we've talked about this so many times, but you, the way you've stated your question is perfect. There's no way you can prove to me that the church is not true. You can't prove something that isn't true not true. Let me give you an example. Joe, can you prove to me that Santa Claus does not exist?
1: I don't know about Santa Claus, but I can tell you about the LDS church. No, no,
0: let's not do this. I asked you a question. You can't prove a negative. You cannot prove to me, you cannot, that there is not a gremlin this tall running around in the Amazon forest.
1: We're not talking about a gremlin. We're talking about...
0: I'm making a point, Joe. Try to expand your brain a little. Okay? You can't prove a negative. When Joseph Smith says he saw God... You can't prove that, true or not, except by the Bible, which says no man has seen God. When Joseph Smith says he translated uh, some papyra into a book called the Book of Abraham, I can't tell you if he did or not, except to look at what the papyra says and find out that it was a fraud.
1: All right, well, let me enlighten your brain a little bit. Okay. If you look around, look at the behavior of the people in those communities which are predominantly Mormon. Which I have. I traveled for 30 years. The, the communities that are predominantly Mormon are tranquil, no crime, no uh, 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 solid family units. And with all the other denominations, including your denomination, whatever, I don't think you can put another model of a better living people on the earth than the Mormon.
0: Okay, can I read something to you? Yes, sir. Okay, because you brought this up, right? Right. All right, let me find it. We're going to take the time to find this because I think it's important to give you actual hard, cold evidence.
1: I, I have a problem with the Mormons here in Salt Lake City because I think, uh, I mean, there's just an unfriendliness and a rudeness about uh, some of the people here. But I've wrote letters to the church about that. And I said before we evangelize the world, we need to get some of the people around this community to be a little more friendly towards one another.
0: Well, while I'm looking for this, let me say this to you, okay? What you're doing is you're saying, I am going to be able to see a people who are tranquil and who have good community and and nice families, and by that, that is how I determine truth, you see? And the problem with that is truth is not determined by consensus. Truth is determined by what God says. wait, wait, uh, Wait, let me finish. I let you finish while I'm looking. Uh, so in the one, on the one hand, you could go to, you remember those people who were waiting for the Hale-Bopp comet? They were extremely kind. They had right. videos, extremely patient, extremely loving, and they killed themselves in order to latch on to Hale-Bopp as it passed by. Does it mean they were right?
1: You're not looking at the end result. That's a good point. What's All the, those folks. Jim Jones, what he did to those people in Africa, Hale-Bopp and all these cults and all these people, like they're running around calling uh, Mormonism a cult now. Well, if Mormonism's a cult, they're the best living bunch of people in the world. Okay.
0: I I don't want to dispute. Let's say I'm not going to dispute you with that, okay? But But let me just finish, okay? The problem is your facts are only based on your subjective experience of traveling around 30 years. Did you know the state of Utah leads the nation in antidepressant use. This is not made up by me. Hey what? If you go Wait, to- wait, 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 wait. Now wait a minute. If you're talking about a tranquil group, I can understand why. <laughs> Did you know? Did you know per capita that the state of Utah, they have more Google searches for pornography than any other state in the nation per capita. You want a tranquil group? I can tell you why. We could go on and on, my friend, the suicide rate here for young adults.
1: You All right, want... set that aside a minute, but No, no, no but if...
0: this, let me just tell you, and then I'll let you speak. These are hard, cold statistics relative to your subjective experience. Go ahead.
1: All right, the reason I joined the Mormon Church, because subjective. I grew up on the East Coast where it's dog-eat-dog, dog. everybody gets, goes out for themselves, and that's the way we were raised. But when I came to the Northwest 20, 30 years ago, and I seen how people lived in Boise, Idaho, I said, there's a difference in these people. And one guy uh, I was talking to who was half drunk, he said, it's the Mormons. He said, they're in the city government, they're in the state government, just ruins the whole oh. state. If we get rid of these Mormons, this would be a good place to live. Okay. And I said, well, that's the difference in these people, they're Mormons. But, but I've seen a, a good, a tranquil community, uh, okay. good living people. OK, you made that
0: point. Let me get, let's stick to the, to the facts. Salt Lake hey, well, City is America's leader in plastic surgery, utahbusiness.com. It is America's most depressed state, abcnews.go.com uh, and deseretnews.com. Utah has the most bankruptcy filings in America. It has fallen to second place since March 2004. let me finish. Utah has the most antidepressant use, especially in women. Uh, Utah leads the nation in suicides among men aged 15 to 24. Utah has the most per capita fraud in America. Salt Lake City is a mere 170,000 residents and by far the county's smallest city where scam fighting US Securities and Exchange Commission has an office. There is a lot of fraud per capita here, says SEC boss Kenneth Israel. That's an LDS-Mormon.com. Utah is number one in mortgage fraud in America. In 2001, the FBI listed Utah as the number one country, county, excuse me, it says country, for the amount of mortgage fraud cases reported. In 1991, Utah's rape uh, rate has consistently inched higher by the national rate. By 2002, Utah is 14th. Utah leads the nation for the word search pornography, striptease, and nudity by a wide margin. Utah leads the nation in subscriptions to pornographic sites. Utah placed 24 out of 50 for divorce at 3.5 per thousand. Idaho placed 45th at five per thousand. Those are hard, concrete facts to this tranquil, good state that you talked about.
1: All right, well, I don't, I, I
0: don't know where you got your statistics. I get, dude, see, you always got to go to that, don't ya? you? Uh. You can call, I, I read. I can, we'll put this on the website, dude. Do a search, get educated. Don't walk around and feed your own opinions. It oh. takes real evidence to figure this stuff out, my friend. Mormonism is a religion of bondage because it puts people under law. God came and gave us grace. There is the difference. It's not about who seems happier, who is more productive, who has the greatest gross national product. It is who has the truth and is personally freed by the blood of Christ. Mormonisms I, aren't, Mormonism is not. I was one 40 years.
1: If you, wanna, if you, wanna, if you don't want to live under law, where did the Ten Commandments come from? Okay, see,
0: this in and of law. itself, this shows me, my friend. It just shows me you don't understand, and I understand why you don't, because you haven't been taught the grace of Christ. My heart breaks for you because you don't understand, and it's because of how they've taught you. You see, God, God sent his son to die for everything, all law, all law. He fulfilled the law and the prophets.
1: Let me just say this. I've watched you for three or four weeks. You see me argumentative,
0: and you can see that I'm tense, and so why would you...
1: There's nothing you've said that could convince me of of a worldwide church... Because you already drank
0: the Kool-Aid, dude. You're already under the opiate. I could stand here and show you pictures of Joseph Smith you know, with a cow in bed, and you'd say, that doesn't convince me. Facts will not convince someone who wants to believe...
1: Oh, I've watched your show because I said maybe I missed something. Does this guy have evidence that there's something wrong with this? We've church? done
0: almost 300 shows, Joe. You've watched for three weeks. Go back and watch all of 2010, where we absolutely compare the Bible with the Mormonism. Just watch those shows, Joe. Your salvation is dependent upon it. Go back well, and watch 2010, pick a topic. You pick the topic, watch it call back next week and say, that didn't convince me in the least.
1: All right. Well, I've been a Mormon for 20 years and I'm not going to give it up because of what you're saying. That's fine.
0: But search it, Joe, and at least go do what I said. Go to our, go to our website hotm.tv, pick a topic and watch 1 hour of that topic and you tell me how the Bible is not speaking the truth and Mormonism is and there's no conflict.
1: Deal? I've been- the world. I've been around the world. I've been around the North America.
0: I know you have, my friend. 30 years. You've seen a lot. Your subjective experiences are wonderful. But you know what? It doesn't matter when it comes to knowing truth. Go to utlm.org, Joe, and read the facts from your own history.
1: (laughs) Well... Uh, good luck to you, Sean, but I've not seen one religion. You made that point, my friend. Go
0: back and watch the show of last year, and we'll go from there. Thanks so much. Listen, we've gotten a couple of people. We've got Jack and Ogden, his LDS, Stan and Magna. Uh, can't go to them because there's no time, but I just want to say this. We've had a few emails that say, Sean, you know, I go back to the first shows you did in 2006, and uh, you seem so calm and nice then. And you know, I'm watching you now, and you seem like you're really angry. And these are from Christians, too. And you know I am angry. Uh, it has been six years of battling this thing here. And then forget my personal life out in the world. The battle and the day-to-day emails, the battle is there. And so I do have some, some uh, uh, scar tissue. And my heart does get uh, angry and excited. You see, and what you see in that is my flesh. I am a passionate man. I'm a fighter by how I was raised. It's in my nature. But my spirit... The spirit that I hope has overcome some of my flesh, and has, thank God, uh, is what is trying to communicate to you. Don't look at me. Don't look at the way I fail in my flesh. Don't look at my, my methods. Look at the information and just see, do you know Christ? Or have you been born again? Jesus said you must be born again. Ask yourself, have you? Are you broken before the Lord? Are you broken before the cross of Christ? Do you realize that he is the source of your salvation and nothing else? Are you under the impression that you believe in Jesus and now you must pay tithing, obey a Sabbath day, go to the temple, give the new and everlasting covenant, fulfill your positions, all those things? Because if you are, you're in bondage and you haven't understood the grace that is provided to you by Jesus Christ when he is the author and finisher of our faith. We pray for you. Pray for us. We'll keep going. Next week, we're going to introduce something to you that's pretty interesting regarding Joseph Smith and the translation. Pick it up then. See you next week here on Heart of the Matter.